Welcome to episode 92 of Coffee and Co-Read, your source for all things literary with Kristen and Catherine, where we believe there's nothing better than a hot coffee and an awesome book. Join us for a virtual book club where we take one book a month and dive into all the drama, adventure, and romance we can find. Hey, Kristen. Hi, Catherine. So it's a new book, a new month, and it's December. Yay! December <laughs> is our favorite uh, month of the year. It's That's both true. of our birthday months, and it's Christmas, and we love both of those things. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. And obviously, if you've ever listened to the podcast before, you know we also love Sarah J. Mass. <laughs> yes, we do. So, obviously, this month we're reading uh, the second book in the Crescent City series, um, House of Sky and Breath. Uh, we did the first Crescent City book in well over a year and a half ago now, um, yes. right when we kind of started off. So, we're doing this one because I'm sure anybody who's read it knows the next book is actually coming out January 30th, which is pretty soon. Two months away. Yeah. So we're excited for that-ish. <laughs> yes. Also, if you know about the ending, then you know that there was a certain point that we had to get to in other books before we could get here. So mm -hmm. that's another reason why we d haven't done it for so long is because we had to get through some other things so that we mm -hmm. could have the ending in this one and have it make sense. Yeah. And I think there's technically we should have also read one other book before yes. this one. But with the third book coming out next month, we'll just do that other book later on. And then we'll do it before we actually go into the third book. Um, but this book came out, I think, was it January too? I don't remember. Anyway, it was it was in 2022. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a... I found it long. <laughs> so when we read it, I didn't want to read it again super close to that. And now I can kind of, like, read it, and I've only read, like, this week's amount, but, like, I feel like I can actually look at it and be, like, okay with it. Because I feel like I was kind of panic reading because I didn't want any spoilers, and I was like, I just want to know what happens. Yeah. And now I can kind of, like, take my time and not panic. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. I, yeah, I found that, like... It's it's so funny because I feel like your first experience with SJM is the one you end up liking the most. Yeah. Because my first experience with SJM was uh, the Akatar series. That's my favorite series. Mm -hmm. You, I, I don't know, was TOG your first or did you go? Yeah. TOG was your first experience with her, so she's your favorite. I've been on like, um, like book talk and like Facebook groups and stuff like that. And people are like, oh, I read Crescent City first, and so it's amazing, and the other books don't compare. So, like, it's really interesting to see how people experience her depending on what they read first. Yeah. I really, I, I think you and I are a little bit dis divided on Crescent City as a series, because mm -hmm. I like it, 
It's not my favorite. Like, I would still put it last out of the three. Yeah. But I think I don't mind it as much as you, like, not that you dislike it. You like mm-hmm. it. But I think you struggle more with the amount of information and how it's not always necessary. Yeah. Well, it. Uh, I think it's because her other books were more YA started. Like the other series started off Throne of Glass and Actire. They both started off as YA books. And then um, Throne of Glass kept being YA really. Yeah. Uh, obviously Actire kind of evolved into more NA. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of, I guess her first series that is, more high fantasy i would call it like it's it is a bit different and the way she explains stuff and the info dump in the first book there were just moments in the first book that let me down and i think there's moments in this book that i'm just like i don't really care about that character but now that i say it like i used to be like that in throne of glass when they'd go to different characters i used to be like ugh, this character i hate them so like I think the second read through will make me actually figure out how I feel about them. And like, obviously the series isn't over. I do think the third book is the end of Bryson Hunt's story. So it'll be nice once that's out to like have the full picture. Yeah. yeah. To um, see where she's going with it. Yeah. Cause that's kind of like this book, which many second books and three book series is struggle from the, like, this is just an in-betweener book. Like, yeah. Cause it, I don't remember the book completely, but <laughs> it just felt like it was just a lot of shit happening and different stuff. And like, I was like, what is going on? Well, do you know what I think it is? So the first book was very clearly. So we had our main character, Bryce, and it was her uncovering what happened to her friend. It was like a murder mystery sort of a thing, right? Yeah. This book is really setting up, like, a larger issue at play. So, like, Mm -hmm. we've discovered what happened to Danica. So the entire plot of the first book, like, is really... Yeah, it was wrapped up. So, like, now we're coming into this book to be like, well, what is there left to discuss? Yeah, And not really anything. So it's forcing us to have like start a new conflict and start a new plot Mm -hmm. so i think that that's sort of where we're at with it is that it's like there weren't as many mysteries left unsolved in the first bit yeah to bring forward into this one so it's almost like we're reading a new book all over again just with the same characters yeah i guess there really wasn't anything, yeah, like I said, the first book was a good standalone novel, really. Yeah, It could have just been its own thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, I hope that reading it this time, I'll get more into it. Um, like you kind of mentioned before, Throne of Glass is my favorite. I love the main female character of that book so much. <laughs> yeah. And I find Bryce is annoying to me. (laughs) Um, She hasn't really grown on me yet, and neither really has Hunt, and I don't really know why. 
but I am a rune girl through and through, and he has my heart. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see how this book goes this time. Any other thoughts on it? Oh, one thing. Sorry, unless you have thoughts on this book before we move on. Um, no, I mean, I will say that I got a spoiler really yes. badly at the about the end of this book. So it sort of ruined the reading experience for me a little bit. I didn't get that shock value that I think everybody else got. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I'm, if, if this is a problem for you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then don't read, don't listen to the last episode, I guess. Like if you're, if you don't want the spoiler, like it is a pretty big one. Yeah. I didn't care about it. I almost don't like it. Because she has said before in interviews that she wasn't going to do this. And I was like, cool. Let's leave things where they belong. Um, and I know it opens up a lot of things to happen in her future books. But I, I'm i wary about where this is going. And I don't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is another reason why I think, like, the ending was supposed to be this whole, like, holy shit thing. And, like, I was just like, oh, she's going to fuck this up. <laughs> Which, like, I know she's not. She doesn't. She writes great books, so she probably won't. But I was like, why do we need to, why do we need to do this? And then it makes me question everything she said in interviews, because obviously she lied about this. So I'm like, did she lie about other things? But... Anyway, she, she obviously, it's been her plan for a while, she said afterwards. So, like, I get it, and I I do want to see where it goes, but I am wary. Yeah. My, um, uh, yeah. anyway, I, yeah, it just, I found, I found this book slow to start. Yes, yeah. Because the prologue is quite long. Oh, my God. And the first time I read it, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yes, yes. It was very, like, <laughs> what is happening here? Yeah. Anyway. Um, oh, not related to this book at all, but we haven't mentioned it at all. Um, but Fourth Wing is getting a show. We're pretty excited Woo! about that. Weary, but excited. You know how it is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that is interesting that is happening. So that's another one of those, like, We'll keep weary. an eye out. Yeah wary about yeah. it but excited and like obviously things can crumble because where's the actor show that was supposed to be coming so um yeah. but yeah it'd be fun hopefully we haven't really had very many good no all the adaptations suck i want to like be hopeful and not hate things but it's so hard <laughs> yeah well, that's like, uh, I somebody posted on one of the groups I'm in about Vampire Academy and how they read it when they were in high school, and then they sort of forgot about it, and then the show came out, and they watched the show, and, like, the show almost ruined the series for them, because the show was so exceedingly bad. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where, like, yes, like, if you cannot commit to doing it well, mm -hmm. don't do it. Yeah. If you have to change so much that it is no longer recognizable, don't do it. Yeah. Like, you have loyal fans that will watch, but obviously by changing a whole ton, 
you're going to anger those fans and it's not going to get, it's not going to get reception. Yeah. So. And I get like, you do have to change some things to like make it good in a different format, obviously. And they are trying to make it so that other people will watch it. But like, that's where they lose everybody is where they make a show that is not good generally because they're changing shit so people that read the books don't like it because they change too much and then people who would maybe like that kind of show don't like it because it's just not good so like nobody's really like found the balance i find other than the best adaptation ever which is the lord of the rings lord of the rings yeah yeah Yeah. anyway so that's just they did a great job yeah so good but yeah that's just A little thing that I figured we should talk about. <laughs> and I, I yeah. keep forgetting about it. Anyway, um, so just a heads up, this is not a spoiler-free zone, and things might get saucy. Except for they won't, because there's a stupid deal. Slow, slow burn. <laughs> Which is so unnecessary. I just... Considering there was a slow burn in the last book, yeah, I don't appreciate to slow burn again. I, like... I just don't understand why this happened. Anyway, not the point. Um, So this is our first week with Crescent City 2, House of Sky and Breath. And we're doing um, the prologue to chapter 13. Um, So the prologue starts off, like we kind of already said, with somebody that we have no idea who she is. And we're like, what the fuck is going on with this book? Um, But it's Sophie Renast, and she is Veneer. And illegally made the drop, but she looks human and can kind of blend in and people don't know that she's veneer. So she became invaluable to the Ophian rebels. And this was another thing that I was kind of like, you're throwing us into this book. You're bringing up a character we don't know. And then you're bringing up terms that I've never heard of, like the Ophian rebels. And you're not really explaining who they are. Um, And like, when we first read it, we kind of, I, I think I tried to take notes on my first read, yes. which is obviously, it's yeah. a terrible idea. I don't really do it anymore, um, no. other than the book last month. <laughs> but uh, it makes it hard to know what's important, because this whole prequel, I was like, are all of these names important? Like, who, who do I need to care about? Um, yeah. But yeah. So Sophie Renast is part of the Ophine Rebels, and she joined them because they agreed to help her find her brother, and their parents were killed for being rebels. So they got separated, and now her only goal in life is basically to find her brother. Yeah. Um, she is at what is called the Kavala Death Camp to rescue him, but she ends up breaking out 11 extra kids, too. <laughs> Just like... SJM loves her death camps. She does, yes. Um, Sophie also knows the secret to defeating the Asteri, but she hasn't told anybody because she wants, I guess, Ophian to like care enough to come get her. Because um, yeah. she's worried that they'll just be like, well, cut our losses. Which is fair. They do seem super brutal. Um, so that's interesting. And we don't hear what that is. Uh, what the information is. Um, yeah, so the Asteri are like the crazy... Like, 
I don't know why, but when I think of them, I think of them as, like, wrinkly, shriveled, like, husks of people that still, like, that wear these robes and sit in, like, a concentric circle of chairs. Yeah. I don't think that's actually how they are, but that's what I think of when I think of I them. I think of, like, the, is it Volterra or Terry from Twilight? The Volturi. Volturi, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, just. Oh, so you think they're all beautiful? Well, I don't, I just picture them as, like, normal not old, oh, but like okay. just, and just like sitting, like you said, they are sitting in a circle for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, they came up in the last book um, and we're going to get a lot more about them. But so Sophie is currently breaking out of this death camp and she takes the power from the electric fence and makes a hole in it. And we figure out that she's a Thunderbird. Um, which is apparently super rare, and there aren't many left anymore. And they end up escaping, but Dreadwolves are following them. Um, Agent Silverbow, which is not his real name, is a veneer, and he picks them up. And they're on their way to meet Pippa, who is a human rebel. Um, and she's, like, kind of a leader, I guess, it seems like. Um, mm-hmm. She also is like super fanatical about the rebellion. Um, I don't know if that's going to come up at some point, but anyway, um, agent Silverbow and Sophie clearly have a romantic relationship happening. Um, in, in previous to this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophie thinks in her head that she, before she came on this mission, she left a calm crystal with a direct link to an informant with headquarters. So I just noted that because that does come up later and somebody we know in the book ends up getting it. Um, Yeah, so you can talk to whoever has the other crystal. Yeah, so it's two crystals. Um, I think it's a pretty common trope to have, like, two things that you can talk to people. like. Yeah, because, you know, not like this world has cell phones. Yeah. But I guess... It does, by the way. But I guess this is, like, super secure. Because the other person is super in deep with the... What are they called? The regular people? Like, they're they're not rebels, but they're... They're the bad guys. The opposition? Like, I don't know. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so Sophie thinks that, like, the rebels agreed to this extraction because she told them what her brother could do so she basically told them that her brother is a thunderbird too and he is twice as powerful as she is so that's interesting too um so they end up surrounded by dread wolves and the hind who is lydia servos um is there too was she in the last book i think so i think the hind was mentioned at least mentioned probably should have read the first book too but i did not um yeah so sophie tells silver to get the kids to the boat and she takes power from the lights around her um so it seems like she can just take electricity and first light and then like she absorbs the power and then can explode it out uh so Sophie runs to the city center and she ends up exploding a fountain to flood the area. And then she uses her 
powers to electrocute anybody that was following her because they're in the water, so they end up electrocuted. Yeah. Very smart. Yeah. Um, and then she runs towards the dock because she's trying to get to the boats, and Silver is already on the boat, and the boat is leaving, and she's just on the dock. And he was shot in the shoulder with a Gorsian stone bullet, so he can't use his powers to help her because that shuts off your powers, basically. And then Sophie is shot in the thigh, so now her powers are useless, too. Oh, no. (laughs) We go over to Pippa's point of view, and she's watching the boat come towards her, and she's ready to, like, tell Sophie off for keeping important information about the Asteri from her. Uh, But, obviously, Sophie is not on the ship. There are also four Omegas. Again, another word that I don't... I, I... yeah. I think it's like a submarine, it sounds like. That's like kind of what I took it as. Um, and they're they're trying to obviously stop the rebellion from getting these kids and Sophie, etc. Um, and Sophie thought earlier, too, that like the Asteri know that she knows something. So that's why they're after her. Um, right. And that's why the Hind is here. That's why it's so important to capture her. Um. So yeah, so Pippa then sees a wave of darkness and all of the lights on the land have gone out and clearly somebody, a Thunderbird, is taking all that power and then they use it to take out these four ships and they just vanish. So super powerful, good to have that (laughs) on your side. But it's not her, so then it must be her brother. It's kind of what we're thinking. Um, then... Well, because you said it couldn't be Sophie because she, she got She did, shot. yeah. But then I I vaguely remember later on in the book finding something out that contradicts this. Okay. Well, <laughs> we're putting a pin in it now that we're saying it had to have been Emil. Yes. yes. So, like, I get... So, where are all the kids at this point? Have they all scattered? They're all on the boat. They're all on a boat. They're all on that boat. Well, there's... So, there's... Two rebel boats. There's a boat that has the kids and whatever, which I assume is a smaller boat, and it's going out to meet the bigger boat that has Pippa on it. Okay. So she's far away, so she can't tell exactly who is doing what. But she assumes it's Emil, because, like, this is more power than Sophie has. Right. Um, and then we go to Sophie's point of view again, and the hind has Sophie on a boat, and she's in pain from using the first light, because apparently first light hurts more than regular electricity, which I, I don't understand the difference. Um, and the hind doesn't really torture her or do anything. She just asks if she's told anyone, and Sophie says no, so she just makes her walk a plank with lead on her like, lead attached to her feet so that she sinks to the bottom. And she even says, like, the water is so deep that she'll end up drowning before she even gets to the bottom. Which is, like, super terrifying and I hate it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is our prequel about somebody. Yeah. I agree. So, like, this whole book, this is setting up our mystery now. Because this whole book is now going to center on... What happened to Sophie? What happens to her brother? What's the secret? Like, yeah, all that. Yeah. What's the secret that Sophie knows? Yeah. So, like, I appreciate it. But at the same time, there was a lot of info thrown at us. And, like, 
for some reason, when it's world building information, I don't mind so mm-hmm. much. But like throwing all of these like new people, all these new terms, like giving us like not enough of this, like creating all of these secrets right up front. Mm-hmm. It, I, I, it's not my favorite. Yeah, I agree. Um, so then we go to Bryce. And she is at the Crescent City Ballet with her mother. And it's just such a juxtaposition of, like, an intense war situation. And we're at the ballet. (laughs) You're like, Mm -hmm. okay. (laughs) It's a bit of whiplash. Um, Yeah. So her mother and Randall are there with her. And they're there to see Juniper perform. And obviously Bryce is kind of a bit of a celebrity now after saving so many people in the last book. So people like recognize her and stuff. Um, and people will come up to her or stare at her. Um, so it's, it's kind of awkward. You'd think, um, there's a, I guess they're kind of in a lobby and there's a lot of art around, but there's a freeze, um, with a Fay using a hammer which kind of reminds me of like Thor's hammer, but it's like a hammer filled with lightning to hit a sword. And it's called the making of the sword and it's in the old Fey language. And I kind of... What's a freeze? It's, um, I had to look it up because I was like, what the fuck? But it's like a big, like ceiling to floor, like tapestry thing, I think, like art. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, something like that. I may not be perfectly right, but... I was I was just wondering, like, is this how the star swords were made, I wonder? Like, with the lightning and the hammer? And, like, is this something that, or is it, like, foreshadowing that Hunt is gonna power up a sword or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's the only reason I really put that in there. It might be absolutely nothing, but I was just like, that's interesting. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Bryce can read that it's called... Um, the making of the sword because she knows the old Fey language and her mother is annoyed that Bryce knows that her mom is like very bitchy at the beginning of this yeah. book. And I am like, I was really taken aback by it because I was mm-hmm. like, I don't remember her being like this in the first book. Really? No, I don't either. So it does. It seems like a very, like an alternate, yeah, an alternative character almost yeah like somebody is looking at Bryce like two people are like staring at her which is super awkward sure but like her mom snaps at them and like tells them off basically and you're like why is she like this like I I don't know um I guess we never really got to know her well in the first book and obviously now she's super worried about Bryce so I I understand it I guess but it it seemed so out of left field to me I was just kind of confused Um, but anyway, so Bryce sees another freeze, I guess, and it's an army of hell. Um, and she kind of like, she reads that that's what it's called. And like, it depicts, I guess, an army of, from hell, but that kind of makes her flashback to obviously the end of last book, because it was an army from hell, basically. So she, she, she hides it from her mother because like, it's seems like Bryce has PTSD. Um, she's having, like... For sure. Which makes sense. Like, it was obviously super traumatic. But she doesn't want her mom to know that. Um, because her mom is, like, 
super overprotective at the moment and she's still super angry about the veneer locking people out and what Bryce went through, obviously, which like makes sense. Like I get why she's mad. Um, Ember, I just looked it up. What? A freeze is like, if you have like uh, an ancient building mm-hmm. and it's got like a point and like, you know how right underneath there's, it makes like a triangle mm-hmm. and inside that triangle, there's like a carving oh, okay. of a scene. Yeah. Apparently that's a freeze, but it can also be a piece of paper. Like it can be a drawing too. Yeah. So smart. It looks like it's mostly in like like ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. Like ancient Greek stuff is where I'm seeing a lot of it. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So Ember is also annoyed that Bryce is working at the Fey Archives and not somewhere like this ballet place that for some reason has... I, like, I, I don't really know... It has art in there, sure, but it just seems like there's art in a lobby. It doesn't seem like it's like actually a museum or anything, but I don't I don't really know. Um but anyway, like at the end of the last book, I guess, Jespa and her library closed and all of the like super rare forbidden books have disappeared. So she needs a new job, obviously. And she is also a Fae princess because she is the daughter of the Autumn King, so and everybody knows that now, because uh, it came out in the last book. So she mm-hmm. ended up getting a job in the Fae Archives. And Ember hates it because it's close to the Autumn King, who she hates. Uh, her mom also, like, mocks her being a princess, kind of. And she makes a dig about her relationship with Hunt and them not being together. And, like, she's just being really mean. <laughs> just so... Yeah. And it continues, like... Yeah. I just didn't think she was like that in the first book. And the only scene I can no. really remember is, like, they have, like, a video call with Hunt. And, like, they had to clean up the apartment beforehand because she'd notice and shit. And, like, I, like she clearly was a bit of a badass then, too. But, like, this just seems extreme. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so they end up going to what is called, like, the Angels box. So... In the theater, there are boxes for every different group, I guess. Anyway, Juniper got them the box. Um, So everybody's basically there. But then Hunt shows up, and Bryce can feel him. So, like, she doesn't even have to turn around. She, like, seems like it's kind of, like, a power thing, magnetic thing. Like, she feels when he's in a room, which I think is new, And kind of the first time I read it, I was like, is this like a mate thing that they can like feel each other? Yeah. So this is a huge, uh, like a huge bone of contention amongst fans in this book because we have so, so, so many people who hate Bryce and Hunt together. And then we also have a faction of, and like those people are like, I don't believe that they're mates. I don't believe they're going to end up together. And then you have another faction of people that, while that really like them mm-hmm. together and are like, they're obviously mates in the sense of like other Sarah J. Mass books. So like a, um, like Reese and Feyre are mates. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are saying like, no, they're obviously not mates. And then we have other people saying, well, they're definitely mates. I think, 
uh, I'm pretty sure Sarah J. Mass came out and said that uh, Bryce and Hunt are mates, I think. Well, the third book on the back, it says her mate or something on it. Um, and, and so, like, I think people are still just, like, because they're not a fan of them together, they're still hoping that there's another option. Well, I think we kind of need to get further in the book before we can have this conversation. Because, like, I, I see both sides... And I just don't really care enough to pick one. <laughs> yeah, I am more on the, I just want them together. But it's because they've established this, like, slow burn mm. of them being in a relationship. And I'm just, like, just finally, like, just being in a relationship already. Yeah. But at the same time, I know she's a great writer. So, like, if she were to introduce someone else, like... I mean, when Akatar started, I was firmly in the, oh, I love Tamlin camp after the end of the first <laughs> book. Yeah. And then she managed to sway me. So, like, I, I do think that if she did switch it up, but I also think that it's not enough time. Yeah. Like, Cause it's in Akatar. It's the story after the third book. Yeah. So, like, to introduce a new character, establish a relationship, and, like, that is a lot and break up, she would have to, like, break up with Hunt. Yeah, or if she found a new person, or he would have to die. But, so, like, I just, I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah. I think they are, like, that's her person. Yeah. No, I get that. Because, like, think about it. Reese was introduced in book one. Yeah. In book one, she was like, he's the most beautiful fae I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I've been looking for you everywhere. <laughs> so, like, that was established book one. Yeah. So, like, there is no way that a new person could come in in book three. Yeah. I don't want to say no way, because obviously she can write whatever she wants. <laughs> and that's true. I, I can't imagine that there won't be another book since there is another house. And I know, like, is it a house of... I don't know which one's left out. It doesn't really matter. But I if if there's not... A book for each house, I'm going to be personally annoyed <laughs> because I I need it. Yeah, I know. So I'm trying to remember what the, yeah, I'm trying to remember what all four houses are. Oh, I, I got the book here. I can have a look. Maybe. House of Earth and Blood is oh, the, the next one. So one? Flame and Shadow is the fourth one. And that's the one that sounds the most interesting. Isn't that the third one? Isn't that the one coming out? Flame and Shadow? Is it? Oh, House of Many Waters. Yeah. Flame and Shadow must be the next one. Yeah. House of Many Waters we don't have. And But at the same time, House of Many Waters could easily deal with Therian. Yes. But now I'm annoyed because this book is blue. <laughs> House of Sky and Breath is blue. What are you going to make Many Waters? Teal. Mm -hmm. Maybe. We'll see. Anyway, not the point. Uh, so that was a bit of a detour. But, um, yeah, so there's there's some magnetic energy between Bryce and Hunt now that wasn't there in the first book. Um, Bryce has, Bryce, Hunt has also had a haircut, which is like, I don't know, it's such an SJM thing to, like, take away their long hair, and it makes me sad. Um, he also doesn't have the halo anymore because... Um, was it Hypaxia took it off in the first book so that he'd have his full powers and go save Bryce? Yeah. And he also has a C 
over his SPQM tattoo, which was like the mark of a slave in this world is to have that tattoo because you're owned by the government, basically. Uh, yeah. So the C over it is because he's no longer a slave. Um, you would think that they would be able to just remove the tattoo. Like, if, Hypo- if Hypoxia can take the ring off of his forehead, you'd think somebody else would just be able to use magic to remove the tattoo from his arm. Yeah, but the, the crown on his forehead was a spell, whereas I think this one is an actual tattoo. Okay. But I don't know. Valid. You, you Valid. think. I, I assume it's kind of like a, yeah, you're you're no longer a slave now, but you're still lower so you they want it shown that you used to be like i think it is more of a class thing that they leave it there maybe they could get rid of it and they're just like fuck you yeah uh juniper sends them champagne and hunt uses a pill to test bryce's drink to make sure that it's not poisoned or drugged or anything which is super smart love it um Mm -hmm. and bryce has started drinking again because in the first book she had stopped drinking after danica died um fury is in the front because she wants to see juniper close up and fury and juniper now live together and they're doing really well with their relationship and fury and bryce have kind of made up and are friends again too so that is a quick update on all of that yeah (laughs) um oh and here we get to the deal the bargain whatever the fuck you want to call it which i hate it's so dumb and i just uh, it doesn't i i just don't understand why it had to happen but anyway bryce and hunt have decided to be friends with no benefits (laughs) so that they can get to know each other so they've been doing this for three months and Bryce is like, there's four months and three days left until the winter solstice when they are going to bang, basically. And it was Bryce's idea because she didn't want to, like, jump into having sex with him. She wanted to get to know him first when they weren't trying to find out who killed Danica. Which, like, yeah, cool. But I don't think it had to be seven months and three days. Like, you can let things happen organically. And, like... Both of them are super horny all the time for each other. And that's like the beginning of this book. And I'm kind of just like, you're adults. Why are we doing this? Like, I, anyway. And like, it's just weird that like, so they're like essentially living together and like they're together, but there's no physical, like not even kissing. Yeah. And which is weird. They live in the same house, but have different rooms. Which I, I'm not mad about. Like, if they're not consummating their relationship, then, like, having separate rooms, like, fine, whatever. But, like, at least, like, kiss every once in a while. Like, you have romantic feelings for each other. You're allowed to kiss. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like after the first Crescent City book, everyone was pissed that there was no sex in the book, and then... Sarah J Mass did this to be like and fuck you again and I'm like I just yeah. don't understand why it had to happen and why two consenting adults are so stuck on this idea of waiting until the winter solstice when they're literally in the midst of a war basically and could die at any time you're like why are we holding ourselves to these ideas when the world is a dumpster fire like it doesn't make any sense yeah anyway <laughs> 
I just, it annoys me. So Bryce also has a scar from the whole situation of last book. And it's a star on her chest and it just randomly starts to shine sometimes. And that starts happening now. And everybody looks at her because they know it's her and there's a star shining in her chest and she can't cover it, but Hunt covers it up with his hands because he has big hands. Um, and Bryce doesn't really know how to stop it from happening and she doesn't know why it happens. So it, it, it happens a few times and it's like, I, I don't really understand why it happens either, but maybe we'll figure that out this rebirth. Um, Anyway, it, it ends up stopping. They watch the play, whatever, whatever. So they go to a party at Rune's house after the ballet, and Bryce goes to talk to a wasted Rune, Tristan, and Declan, who are playing beer ponds, Pong. So Tristan and Declan live with Rune, and they're all, like, best friends. And we met them in the last book. Um, Declan is also dating a shifter named Mark. So we just need to get it in there that <laughs> there's a token token representation yeah yeah uh so she kind of just says hi to them and then she goes over to see juniper and fury and hunt is already with them and she congratulates juniper uh and they just chat and hunt gets bryce a drink and while he's gone they kind of joke about her bargain with him and i'm like this <laughs> I just, it annoys me every time it's brought up. Um, Hunt comes back with a drink and she downs the whole thing. And then it basically just jumps to Hunt's point of view. And literally everything he's thinking about is how much he wants to fuck her. And it, it's just annoying to me. (laughs) Their internal monologue, Uh, both of them at all (laughs) times, is like, I want to have sex with her so bad. (laughs) Yeah. I will say too that I find this book a little bit... Like, so in um, Throne of Glass series, we've seen in, consistently we've seen that they do do um, POV jumps, mm-hmm. but usually it's chapters. Yes. Usually, right? Yeah. I find in this book, it's a little bit more chaotic. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, new paragraph, new point of view. And you kind of have to figure it out, because, like, you're just in their head, and you're like, wait, who yeah. is this? Yeah. The only time I think um, Throne of Glass really did that is when they went back to Richthold and it was like between... Yes, like it was like um, Kale and... Um, Dorian and Sorsha. Dorian. Yeah. And like that one was a bit chaotic, but you knew within the chapter, like it was going to yes. be one of them. One of the three. Yeah. yeah. But this one, yeah, I agree. It is a lot more chaotic. Um. So Bryce and Hunt start talking now and she asks him if he feels bad coming to parties like these when the world's a shit show. And you can kind of tell that like she feels weird about it. And like, obviously there's a lot going on with her, um, with the, what I assume PTSD she has also like she can't really control her power. She doesn't know how to use it very well. Like, There's a lot going on and she's like, it seems weird to just be at a party. Um, But he says he likes to see people people enjoying their lives. Um, 
she says that she's worried that they shouldn't enjoy things because they could be taken away, basically. Which, you're like, if you're worried about that kind of thing, why aren't you guys fucking? (laughs) Yes, yeah. But also, like, isn't it the opposite? Like, Yeah, you should enjoy things while you have them. You should, yeah. If you're worried it's going to get taken away, maybe you should be enjoying them. Yeah, that's that's kind of what you would think, but she's kind of turned it. And, like, maybe that is why she isn't having sex with him, I guess. Um... Hunt does understand, though, and he thinks, like, the Asteri likely won't kill him because he's so prominent, but they could. Like, he is a liability now to them, basically. And at the end of the first book, Bryce was told by one of the Asteri to, like, keep a low profile. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's something always looming over their head. Uh, So Hunt is no longer a slave, but he did stay with the 33rd, and he's Isaiah, Isaiah, I think? Isaiah's unofficial commander. Um, So he actually sees an email on his phone that he just got from Isaiah, and new archangels have been chosen to replace Micah and Sandriel. Um, So it's two archangels. The new ones are Ephraim and Celestina. And Celestina has a reputation um, of being really nice. <laughs> so it's it's a bit odd that she's getting, like, such a huge promotion when she used to be, like, I guess the archangel of a smaller place. And now she's coming here. Yeah. So it's, they kind of have a conversation about it. And Juniper and Fury are kind of listening in, too. And they're like, clearly it seems like she's probably going to be, like, a puppet. Like, she's not. Yeah. She's not coming here with her own thoughts. She's being used, basically. Yeah. Um, it also, I guess the email also says that Celestina is going to restructure things. And Bryce tells Hunt, like, he has a choice. He can leave if he doesn't like what starts happening. So yeah. that is... Because he's not a slave anymore. Yeah. So that's that's good and interesting to know. Um, Bryce projects starlight from her hand and she tells hunt that she'll protect him um and we get here that she's been meeting with rune once a week to practice her magic so that's interesting um because i don't think we really know much about her magic at all no like all i can imagine is if it's starlight like what can she do like it just i i know very few people have seen this movie but there's a movie called stardust yeah um, and it's one of my favorite movies. It is hilarious. It's got um, Claire Danes in it. It's got Michelle Pfeiffer. It's got Robert De Niro, Ben Burns. Like, it's got a really amazing cast of people. Ricky Gervais is in it. <laughs> um, anyway, so besides the point. Uh, so in it, uh, Claire Danes is a fallen star. Mm-hmm. And she defeats the evil people by doing what stars do best, shining. Mm-hmm. So she just shines to, like, <laughs> yeah, to fix all the problems, which is fine. This is what I think of, though, when I think of Bryce's power now. It's on, like, all she can do is shine? Yeah. Like, is that, so, like, what's the, what can that power even do? Yeah, and I think we need to, like, get more information because I have no idea. Um, and, and like, I'm curious to know about this drop 
scenario. So, like, when Faye come of age, they have to, quote-unquote, make the drop to become immortal, right? And that's how they get full access to their power. And how far they drop is an indication of how much power they will have. Bryce dropped a ton. But we also learned that, is it not like, because she dropped using the gate, where everybody puts a little drop of their magic Mm -hmm. as like a good luck thing. So like, I'm just curious, does she, is her magic going to be like all encompassing because she's got so many different magics from different people? Yeah. Or is it just like a pure energy thing? So she's just gotten like their magic in general and her body is going to turn it into the magic that she can do. Yeah. I, I'm assuming it's the second one that it's just an energy thing, but like, I don't, I don't know if we ever figure it out. (laughs) Like, I don't remember finding out much about her magic during this book, but that doesn't mean we don't, because it's been a while since I read it. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know anything. I feel like at the end of the book, she ends up in a good place to learn about her magic. (laughs) And maybe that's the point. (laughs) The next book will start with, like, a training montage. Like a (laughs) training... Do, 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 do. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, Fury tells them then that it seems idiotic to a point, Celestina, since um, the war overseas is apparently getting much worse. Um... Which is interesting, and there's just so much happening. But Bryce then tells Hunt that he should go in and see what happens and not to overthink it too much and just, like, give her a chance and see how it goes, and he can leave if he doesn't like it. Um, then we get to chapter three, which is, like, it's, like, a super quoted part of <laughs> this book because... I, I it it just sounds like Twilight to me. And I think okay. I think it's like I don't know if that's the point. But it starts with Rune Dinan knew three things with absolute certainty. And like that is the start of the back of Twilight. That is what it says. On is the back it? Of Twilight. Well it's something like that. It's like um I mean Bella knew whatever. It might have been three things, but it was like the first is that I don't even remember, but and then the last one is she was irrevocably in love with Edward oh, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it it just really has, <laughs> really has Twilight vibes. But his three things are: he smoked so much mirth root that he couldn't feel his face, which was a damn shame because there was a female currently sitting on it, which I love. I'm here for it. This is perfect. Um, the second is he had downed an obscene amount of whiskey because he had no idea what the female's name was or how they'd gotten to his bedroom or how he'd wound up with his tongue between her legs. And the third was he really fucking loved his life, at least right now. So. I love that. Big fan. Um, yeah. So, obviously, Rune is super high and super drunk, and he is loving his life. Eat it. <laughs> Eating a girl out and loving it. Yeah, she's riding his It's face. not a chore for him. Yeah, he is, he's awesome. I love him. 
Um, but while <laughs> she's literally sitting on his face, he remembers that he's betrothed to the queen of the Valbaran witches, who is Hypaxia, who we met in the last book. But they haven't spoken in months, so like he doesn't really feel like he has to give up anything, which is good, I guess. Like, they haven't really had a conversation about it. So he's like, I'm going to enjoy other females. Yeah. So this, I actually... So in the first book, Rune and Hypaxia meet. And I feel like they actually have chemistry. Mm-hmm. But he they he doesn't know who she is at the time because she's, like, just pretending to be a healer in the city. Yeah, a meta-witch. Yeah. And, um, so I totally got chemistry and I really thought that once he found out who she was, it would sort of be like, oh, well, this won't be so bad. But this book takes it, like, we'll find out, like, goes completely not where we think it's gonna take it. Yes. And it ends up worse. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. So he makes her come. And then he's about to ask her, I'm assuming, if she wants to have sex. But Tristan Flynn barges in, and she's just there naked. And Tristan's like, you gotta come now. And he's like, okay. I'm like, this is awkward, but sure. Um, But Tristan tells him that Declan's security system picked something up, and the alarms are going off circling the house. So, like, something is happening. Um... Shadows start to appear at the door, and it's someone who Rune knows, and Bryce's star starts to glow. Um, So they're all still at the party. Yes. While he's upstairs, like... Yeah. This is, like, licking this... While they're having this conversation about... <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we jump back he to... He works fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he doesn't even remember how he got there, so he was probably like, let's go! <laughs> Sit down my face. Love it. <laughs> uh, you need the you need the motions as well. This is, yes, this yes, is sit yeah, on my face. Sure. <laughs> Motion. <Yep>. Amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think we go back to Bryce's point of view now, but her star is glowing and everyone stares at her and at the shadows. Um, and Rune asks why he's there. And he says he was invited. And he like, actually talks directly to Bryce, and we get that his name is Cormac, and he is Bryce's cousin and her betrothed. Uh, Yikes. Yeah. And she laughs at that, but he says the Autumn King and the High King of the Avalon Fae decided that they would get married. Because she's... Yeah, so she doesn't even know this. No. He just comes in, and he's like, hey, we're getting married. And she's like, I'm sorry, what? In a party, like, you couldn't tell her not around, like, a bunch of people. Like, it's super fucked up. Um, but, she, like, as a fae woman, she's owned by the men in her life. Blech. So, like, her father can say and do whatever he yeah. wants, basically. Um, yeah, so essentially, too, like, because she, like, has come out publicly as like if she had kept quiet mm-hmm. about who her father was then this rule wouldn't be in place yeah. but because she has come out and declared who her father is and that she's a princess this now gives him power over her yeah yeah um 
so Hunt basically starts to like light up a bit with his lightning because he's so pissed. Yeah. Uh, and Fury has her gun out and Rune tells him to get out. And Cormac looks at Rune's starborn sword and says he's heard it sings for his bride too. And Bryce says it doesn't and that he should leave. Um, but he says he wanted to see her power. And then he does leave because like the whole point of him coming to this party was just to check her out basically. Yeah. And he says that he'll see her at the altar. Which is so awful. Um, Fury then tells everyone at the party that if anybody posts about this or, like, tells anybody about this, she'll kill them. So I love it. I know, me too. So, like, hopefully nobody will find out about it. Yeah. Uh, Bryce thinks about her parents then and she, like, wants to get them out of town before they hear about this. Uh, But she kind of thinks there's no real easy way to make it happen. And then Bryce asks Rune if Cormac is the cousin from his ordeal. Uh, and Rune says it is. And I don't really know if we got information on this last book or not, but Cormac almost killed him during the ordeal. And Cormac actually thought that he would have gotten the Star Sword, but Rune got it first, I guess, or it called to him or something. Um, yeah. And then Bryce does actually have a claim on it too. Now that she's starborn. starborn as well. Yeah. Uh, Juniper asks Rune if they can actually enforce the engagement. And Bryce goes near Rune, like, during this conversation. And the star sword actually lights up. And Rune speaks in her head and tells her not to be afraid of it. And she has as much of a right to it as him. Which is interesting because... Rune has similar powers to a certain somebody and looks a lot like a certain somebody in a different series. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark and Declan say that they'll look into the legality of the engagement and yes. I guess try to get her out of it, basically. Um, Bryce and Hunt kind of talk about like what the Autumn King is doing and what his plan is. Um, and she says, like, she can't run to him because that's what he wants. Like, she can't go to him and say, like, I'm not marrying him. Why did you do this? Because she assumes that's what he wants. Um, she knows, like, it isn't just about power. Like, he probably has a multi-step plan (laughs) to get something done. And we don't really know his motives at the moment. Um... But she wonders if it, if this was all a ploy to get Hunt to lose his shit and maybe, like, kill Rune in front of everybody. And then with the new Archangel coming, like, if this was just a whole thing to make Hunt look like a shitty mm. person. Um, but we don't know. Uh, Hunt asks why the Avalon Fae would agree to it, but Bryce says her bigger worry is her parents finding out. Which is fair, because her mom is a yeah. bitch. Bryce is really not worried about this betrothal at all. No. Like, she's very like, I'm not doing that. Like, yeah. don't worry about it. It's not happening. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, which I love. Yeah. I'm here for it. Uh, so they end up going home, and the apartment door is ajar, and she smells blood. And obviously she kind of, like, has a flashback to when Danica died. Um, yeah. 
but it's actually Ethan bleeding inside her apartment. I don't mind Ethan. He is Connor. Was it Connor in the first book? Yes. He's Connor's brother. They were friends before, and then after Connor and Danica and her pack died, he hated Bryce um, and was really mean to her and then eventually he helped her out in the end like or they helped each other save people basically in the end of the last book i didn't mind him until something happens later in this book that i'm like this is so unnecessary and i hate when we get there i'll let you know (laughs) okay i i really don't like him i am very upset at what he did in the last book Mm. and when we get a little bit further in they're gonna have a conversation and i'm but at the same time i'm a grudgy person so i am gonna hold it against him as a character and i would hold him against it in real life like i just i the fact that he was an asshole to her for two years does not like in my mind him helping her was the least he could do oh 100 percent. and like i don't even think like that wasn't really enough to like get in the good books or whatever and like i still think that like his motivation for doing it now also pisses me off like i, I fucking his character becomes one note later uh, then we skip to Therian's point of view, and we met him in the last book. He is a merman, and he is currently on a small fishing vessel, and he says it's because he pissed off the River Queen. Uh, because apparently someone posted on social media about him being so hot, it's a miracle he doesn't turn the Istros to steam. And I guess the Istros is the river, river yeah. that the queen is the queen of. <laughs> But it made the River Queen's daughter cry. Um, He's currently actually looking for Sophie, which is interesting that we are five chapters into the book and finally getting some more information on her. Um, It's actually been two weeks since she drowned. And the River Queen heard about it through her sisters who rule other bodies of water. So it's, it's interesting. It seems like they can give each other information and stuff. Like, I'd yeah. like to learn a bit more about the River Queen. Um, he has become a captain after working on his sister's murder. So he, I guess, is in a better position than he was in the last book. But his sister's murder was pre-book one. Was it? I don't remember. Anything. Yeah. Because okay. that's how him and Hunt know each other. Oh, true. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I couldn't remember. I was kind of wondering if it was part of like book one that she was killed too, but it wasn't. No, it was pre, yeah. I don't know why they brought it up again then, but I noted it because it was said. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So he thinks of, um, so in the last book, obviously there was the rebellion that Hunt did with his friends um, and Micah uh, put the wraith into a box and shoved her down into the bottom of the sea and it's actually lower than where he is now and he wonders if like anybody will end up getting her after like since Micah's dead now is anybody gonna save her because she's just like a consciousness in a box at the bottom of a sea that's deeper than this and like Hunt is now free (laughs) so you're like it's shitty that she's just left there and I kind of thought that, like, maybe she'd show up in this book somewhere, but I don't know if she does. 
Um, but it's just, a, I'm sure she'll show up in the series again because they brought her up. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Therian thinks about how he swore himself to the River's Queen daughter and he took her maidenhead and became her betrothed. And he kind of seems like a fuckboy. Yeah. Like he very absolutely. much, he very much was like, I just wanted to have sex with her. So I agreed to marry her just so that I could have sex with her. And you're like, are we supposed to feel bad for you? Cause I don't, I don't think I like him all that much either. So is he still betrothed to her? I guess. Cause the way I have interpreted his character is he's being punished all the time because he broke up with her. Hmm. But maybe, maybe that's not I, the case. I, maybe he's just avoiding the wedding. Yeah, I don't really know. Let me. Oh yeah, it was a decade ago that he swore himself to her. I think that they're still betrothed. I think that he just gets punished because he's not acting on it. Yeah, and like it hurts her feelings when other people find him attractive. She also seems like a brat, but like... Yeah, 100%. Um, I also find it funny that he's on a boat as a merman. Yeah. Why are you not just in the water? I know. And it's also like, clearly a submarine, but I'm pretty sure they call it a boat. Because he's like, they're down. It's weird. Yeah. Um, and it's a fishing... They called it a fish, a small fishing vessel, but they're clearly under... Maybe they're not underwater. Maybe it's just a video camera or something, but I don't know what's happening. Anyway, so they look for like three and a half hours and he sees the lead blocks with the chains attached, but they are actually undone. So does that mean that something ate her? If something ate her, though, you would think that like, yeah, some body part will be left in shackles. Yeah. So it kind of makes him think that she either got herself out of them somehow or somebody else freed her. But there is a possibility that she is alive. Um, So he calls the River Queen and tells her all of this. Um, She's surprised that, like, she wasn't told any of this through the waters or whatever. Yeah. Um, But the Queen tells that Sophie is definitely looking for her brother and that he's as gifted as her, and he's maybe more valuable. Valuable? Val- yep. So, basically, like, to find Sophie, you need to find her brother. Right. So, going back to Bryce and Hunt and Ethan, uh, they're inside uh, Bryce's apartment, and uh, he is severely injured. Uh, turns out that Amelie, who is like, was sort of like the new Danica, quote unquote. Like she became like pack leader of like her pack became like the number one pack after Danica's pack was killed. Uh, and I think Ethan was her second in command. I think so, yeah. So Emily and the pack beat him up on Sabine's orders, Sabine being Danica's mother and um, like the heir apparent to the werewolves. Uh, and Sabine kicked him out, uh, because apparently he spoke to a reporter last week about how he helped Bryce in the spring. Uh, and apparently he also defended her against some things that Sabine was saying 
about her. So because he defended Bryce and said it like publicly to a reporter, Sabine beat him like they Sabine had him beat up and kicked out. Mm-hmm. So he's not a member of the pack anymore. Um, so Bryce is like trying to heal him. Um, he also like he doesn't really have anywhere to go. So Bryce offers her place. Like you can stay here. But, like, she says that she doesn't, she doesn't say this, but she thinks that she doesn't really want him to stay, but, like, he has nowhere to go, so she's offering it anyway. Because, like, he's basically a stranger to her now, but, like, she remembers thinking back, and, like, after Danica, he was her best friend. Mm -hmm. Like, it was Danica, then him, then Juniper and Fury. So, like, it really hurt when he, like, cut her out. Turned out to be a huge asshole. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so she, like, takes care of Ethan a bit, like, take, you know, like, patches him up as best she can. And then she calls her parents to convince them to get out of town early so they don't see the news of her betrothal. (laughs) Um, so she has to, like, agree to that her and Hunt go visit them in their town, and, like, eventually they agree, and she's like, I'll bring you to the train station super early. So she has to get up in, like, four hours to bring them to the train station. But also her parents have to get up in four hours. I would have been like, mm, we'll take a later train. I know, right? <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Um, but she does, like, she does manage to convince them to go. Mm. Um, <laughs> they make their sleeping arrangements for the night. And Bryce has a white couch, so she doesn't want Ethan sleeping on it and getting blood on it. So, I don't- these sleeping arrangements, like, I don't understand them at all. No. So, like, Bryce doesn't want Ethan on the white couch, so she's like, you can sleep in my bed. But she's not going with Hunt, because initially Hunt is like, no, he can have my bed. And she's like, no, he's gonna sleep in my room with me like she's gonna be in there too i just don't understand like stick him in hunt bed and have hunt sleep with you yeah but anyway but like i guess she's doing it in an innocent way like she doesn't want him sleeping with her like for sexy reasons it's purely innocent yeah and like i think she even first is like i'll sleep on the couch but hunt is like your back can't handle it and i'm like it's four hours like she could sleep on the couch for four hours also yeah like, I think part of her reason is she's like, I want to make sure that Ethan is fine, so I'm going to watch him. I'm like, you're not going to sleep. Why are you even going to bed? Just stay up yeah. all night. Like, yeah. Anyway, so they go to bed, and we're in Hunt's point of view for a hot minute, and he's, like, obviously jealous as fuck that Ethan is in bed with Bryce. Mm. And so he's, like, can't sleep. So he looks up the article that Ethan was talking about. And in the article, Sabine makes it seem like Bryce was, like, a spoiled party girl and that it was the wolves that saved the city, like, last spring. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ethan commented, uh, essentially, that, like, Bryce saved the city, and if anybody says anything different, then don't listen to them. Mm. Essentially calling Sabine out. Yeah. Um, so, like, obviously, Sabine had issues with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hunt, like, has a little message conversation with Isaiah about the new commander, Celestina. Um, like, they're sort of like, they hope she's going to be good, but they're not 
too hopeful. Like, they want to, like... Keep their expectations low. <laughs> yes. Uh, meanwhile, like, Bryce and Ethan are having a chat in her bed. Um, so fucking weird. And she does say, like, think to herself that she mostly insisted on this arrangement so she could keep an eye on Ethan because she was afraid Sabine or Emily would try and, like, sneak in to finish the job. But isn't, I thought her apartment was, like, super secure, knew, no one knew where it was, no one can get in. Yeah. So, like, I don't know why she thinks that they can get in to finish the job, so I, well, but, yeah. I don't know. But I guess the other thing, too, is, like, how did, um, how did Ethan get in? He really shouldn't have been able to get in either. So you're like... No, but, well, I guess we find out now that Ethan says that Danica had him keyed into the apartment mm-hmm. before she died. Yeah. So that's how he got in. Um, they discuss, they talk a little bit about, he was like, oh, is it true you made the bro- the drop? Um, and she was like, yeah. With And she was like, Danica was my anchor. And he then he drops the bomb that Connor thought that Bryce was his mate. Like his wolf mate. Mm. And we learn a little bit about mates here. Like, so wolves slash shapeshifters do have, like, true faded mates, or they believe they do. Faye also believe that, but angels use that term very loosely. So to them, mating is, like, just the same as marriage. Mm-hmm. And it can be, like, arranged. Yeah. Um... Ethan sort of, like, asks, like, did you even love Connor? Like, because she was, she was keeping him at arm's length Mm -hmm. for a really long time. And she was like, yeah, of course I loved him. And, like, that was it. That was their conversation. Uh, now we go to Rune. (laughs) I, it must be the next day. Because he's having a meeting with his father and Cormac. Mm-hmm. And apparently he's really pissed about this whole arranged marriage thing with Bryce. And Cormac sort of taunts him about his own betrothal to Hypaxia. And we get a little bit more information on her. So she has a half-sister, two different dads. Hypaxia's dad was a necromancer from the House of Flame and Shadow. So Hypaxia has some of his gifts. Whereas her sister's father was a shape-shifting stag. So that daughter, even though she was born first, uh, was born with shapeshifter powers, not witch powers. So she was handed over to the father's family. So because she had no witch gifts, therefore she couldn't be queen of the witches. Uh, she is known as the Hind from the beginning, from the prologue, and from the last book. Ooh interesting so that's hypaxia's sister um and apparently like there are some issues right now with hypaxia's rule like her reign some witches are annoyed like are they're debating whether she should be queen because of her necromancer abilities Mm. i don't know hopefully i don't know if it'll come up again um the autumn king doesn't really care about this but Mm -hmm. like he's like Rune, you're going to marry her, and Bryce is going to marry Cormac. Because, like, even though she's with Hunt, she does not yet bear his scent, meaning they have not consummated their relationship. Even more of a reason <laughs> for them to just fucking have sex. Yeah, yeah. 
but also like gross rune and his dad are talking about his sister having sex like disgusting unnecessary can you imagine your dad saying no "Hmm, please stop i don't think you've had sex yet right like it's so awful (laughs) so gross um and essentially like we all know the autumn king is awful like he's absolutely terrible even though he had like one little moment of redemption at the last at the end of the last book remember Mm -hmm. when he came to visit bryce at the gallery um but that is completely gone (laughs) like he's unredeeming himself yeah (laughs) he's going backwards uh he essentially says something really awful that bryce is only valuable for one thing (laughs) And that is her breeding potential. Yep. Great. Because, yeah, because her starborn power, like, they haven't seen power like that in thousands of years. And magic has been weakening in the fae, like, the fae bloodline. So, like, if she breeds within the (laughs) royal bloodline, then she'll put her power, like, back into, anyway. Yeah. It's, but. (laughs) um so cormac leaves then and he's like oh you know my new bride and he essentially tells rune that they both had the same fate which is because they're both princes of their respective lines Mm -hmm. but only cormac is gonna rise to meet his fate essentially just a dig at rune yeah and rune is like really stressed because like the reason he's so resistant to all of this is because of his oracle prophecy so from the last book we learned that his prophecy says the royal bloodline shall end with you we don't know if that means he just cannot have children we don't know if that means that he's going to die like we have no idea what it means i will cry yeah um and he essentially asks his father like why are you doing this and the father's a dick and says, if you have to ask, you're not truly my son. <laughs> Which is, like, really dickish. Yeah. And then he says that Cormac was the son he should have had, <laughs> and Rune is the one he was burdened with. <laughs> wild. It's just wild. And, like, he's taking no ownership over the fact that both of his children are decent human beings. Yeah. And, like, rightfully so. It has nothing to do with him. But, like... It's, it's, it should be his fault a little bit because he didn't, he's the one who parented both of them to be, to be that way. Mm. If he wanted them to be terrible people, he should have been a hands-on parent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just goes to show, the Autumn King is absolutely awful. Yes. Um, back to Bryce and Hunt. Uh, so again, it's the morning. So Hunt is on his way to work. And they've, like, decorated the whole city to welcome Celestina. Like, apparently it's a really big deal to appoint a new governor, so they're going all out. Yeah. Um, Bryce offers to go with him, but he's like, no, it's fine, I can manage. But secretly he's really glad that she at least made the offer. And she also reminds him that she's a phone call away. And, like, think of what we did to the last two archangels they've gone up against. Like, with uh, Micah and... Uh, Sandriel, like, they killed them both. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, they can take on a couple more. <laughs> so, Hunt is, like, gone. Um, actually, no. Not yet. Sorry. Hunt is on his way to work, but he hasn't left. He's getting ready to go to work. Mm-hmm. 
so Ethan, like, Ethan comes in, and Bryce is like, you can stay as long as you want, and she goes to get in the shower. Hunt doesn't like Ethan. Imagine. Rightfully so. Ethan has been a terrible person to her. Mm -hmm. Hunt and Ethan have, like, a standoff, and I really hate it. Because it really bothers me that Ethan thinks that everything is forgiven, and I don't think it should be. Yeah. So, like, Hunt, like, again, he isn't convinced about Ethan. Like, he's on the fence. He doesn't like him. Yeah. And he threatens him and says, if anything happens to Bryce, like, you'll find out why I'm called the Umbra Mortis. But, like, Ethan isn't at all intimidated. And... Hunt asks, like, why are you suddenly treating her well again? Like, why are you suddenly okay with her now? Like, is it because she's starborn? Is it because she's a princess? Mm. Is it because she has the horn? Like, what? what's your deal, man? Yeah. And Ethan's like, I don't care about any of that. He was like, he says he defended her in that article because the pack of devils, a.k.a. his brother in the pack and Danica, showed up for her even in death. Like, they helped her out. And if they don't hold a grudge, why should he? Which I think is the stupidest, yeah, stupidest reason ever. Yeah. I hate it so much. And Ethan then calls out Hunt and says, like, you've only known Bryce for five months. He's known her for five years, so Hunt doesn't know anything about them. Mm-mm. And Hunt is like, you were a dick to her. He was like, I know that you were a dick to her for two years. And essentially tells him to like, not essentially, he does tell him to grow the fuck up. Yeah. And I love it. Yes, Ethan, stop being a dick. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I cannot get past it. And I don't think anything in this book changes my mind and makes me enjoy him. I just, I don't, I didn't really care about him until something that happens later makes me hate him. Yeah. And it's one of the worst things in this book. <laughs> Honestly. Because, like, I just hate it. I hate it. We can't have fucking platonic relationships and fucking yeah. men always want to sleep with everybody. It's like, yeah. ugh, I hate it so much. And it, ugh, ugh. Yeah. I, it just, I just can't with him. He's, do you know who he reminds me of? Hmm. Kale. In my, like, how I felt about Kale is how I feel about Ethan. I, I don't think about him enough to feel that. Until later. Later, maybe. Yeah. But, like, in the beginning, I'm like, he was a dick, and I just don't really care about him. Right. Anyway. Yeah. So, Ethan comes back after... After Hunt tells him to, like, grow the fuck up, Ethan just says, huh, it took five years for Bryce to, for my brother to convince Bryce to go on one date. You're only on month five, so, like, good luck. And it's like, dude, like, again, like, grow the fuck up! Yeah. Anyway. Fast forward to Bryce at work. So she's working at the archives, and she says she misses the gallery, and she misses, um... Lahaba. Yeah, of course. And then she reflects back to, um, like, I guess, I don't 100% remember their funeral, like, rites, like, what their funeral traditions, but they have these boats 
for souls to like go across to the bone quarter. I don't know if they put the bodies in there yeah. or if it's. I think so. Anyway, they send the bolts off. Yeah, and then right if 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 it oh if it sinks, sinks then... they're not worthy. Yeah, right. So. She went to, like, it was this mass thing. They sent all the people that died, they sent all their boats at once. Um, but there was no little boat for Lahaba. Um, don't we learn in the last book that she does something really dumb and makes a deal? Who? Or is that in this book? Bryce. She made a deal for Danica. Um, she'd give up her spot in the bone quarters for Danica. Remember that? I don't remember. I think I think we learned it in the first book. Oh yeah, no, it did. It happened in the last book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, is that ever going to come up again? Like she doesn't have a spot no. in the afterlife. So yeah, that's interesting. Um, so like she was thinking about like she's been really struggling about uh, Lahaba's death, and like even though logically she can think through the events that happened, and she knows there was nothing she could have done to save her. And, like, she's talked it through with Hunt, and even he said, like, if, you know, it was either, like, it was either she did what she did, or you would have died. So, like, there's no way, either you were both dead, or she's dead. But, like, you know, there was nothing you could have Mm -hmm. done. But she couldn't stop thinking about, like, the what-ifs, and why she lived and Lele didn't, and why her life was deemed as more valuable. So, like, she's still really struggling. Uh, so she's, again, she's at work, so she calls Jessica to get some advice on a statue, and they have a nice little chat about her power and her betrothal, and Jessica tells her that obviously her father is trying to control her, as that's what males do to powerful females. True. And she also says, like, if you chose to, you could do a lot with your power, um, and she also says to consider the advantages of marry- of marrying Cormac before re- automatically refusing. Yeah. And Bryce is like, maybe I am. <laughs> like, who says I'm not? And it's like, we all know yeah. you're not. Like, you're not going to marry this guy. No. Um, so after lunch, she's on the phone with Hunt and they're chatting about how, like, Celestina isn't here yet. And the news of her betrothal hasn't leaked yet either. And, like, she was expecting her mom to call as soon as she found out to, like, give her an earful. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bryce managed to, like, she did, like, a search on Celestina to, like, figure out, like, who she was. who she was Because she was a little bit jealous that she was going to be around Hunt all the time. Apparently she's, like, absolutely gorgeous. But keeps her, like, love life private. Uh, anyway, so then her chest starts to glow, so she hangs up with Hunt just as Cormac walks in to her office, or her, like, place of business. And he tells her her star glows because their union is predestined by the Oracle. Interesting. Yes, I actually did find this interesting, and, like, I wonder how true it is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, apparently there are 12 oracles, like, scattered around. So, like, they all can go in wherever they live. And, like, get there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cormax apparently told him that he was destined to unite with a princess who possessed a star in her heart. Hmm. And that their mingling would bring great prosperity to their people. 
mingling. So, like, it does, it, I know, mingling, a.k.a. Yeah. sex. Uh, but, like, it does sound like that's, like, that's place. Yeah. Who else could it be? Like, I don't even know who else it could yeah. be, right? Unless it's Rune, but that's a little weird. <laughs> Rune's not really a princess, so there's, that's, that's an issue, issue there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, like, maybe, who knows what'll yeah, happen. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> and, like, everyone getting their oracle thing read, like... How true do they all come? Like, we don't really know enough about the oracles at this point in time, I think. Because, like, is it, it whatever is said going to happen for everybody? Like, I I kind of want some more information on that. Like, there's 12 of them. Everybody hears theirs when they're young. So, like, do they all definitely come true? Yeah. Interesting. I would like to know their their rate of, like... Accuracy. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So he came to see where she worked and he keeps sort of like insulting her, like telling her she's brash. She's not ladylike. You know, she hasn't been raised properly and like essentially being like, well, you're going to have to stop working as soon as we're married and go back to Avalon. Mm -hmm. And essentially like his continent is still very backwards. Think spring court. Yeah. But it's also like right as opposed to this continent where it's like I guess night court ish. They still right? sell like, their fey daughters. Yes, however, like so, where she is now, obviously she can work, she can have a job, she can be somewhat independent, she can live by herself. Where Cormac lives, it's still very like women are meek and mild, and they're literally only there for breeding purposes and they get married and they're supposed to stay quiet and stay like submissive to their husbands and blah, which blah, sounds blah. exactly like Bryce <laughs> right yeah so um so yeah so he's like you know all she's she's like I am not going to your backwards like territory and he's like mm, yes you are and he also tells her that, like, after they have a few heirs, like, after she pops out a few kids, she can take another lover. And he'll do the <laughs> same. Um, but she's just, like, pissed about it. And then he just tells her, like, you're immortal now. You need to start acting like Ooh. it. So he's just being he is, a dick. Yeah. Um, back to Hunt. And he is only now meeting with Celestina. And he says that she seems different than other archangels. Like... When she got to the, the, what's it called? The, the place where they all work. The very tall building. Um, <laughs> yes, the very tall building. She, like, comes in and she, like, she shakes hands with all the, like, menial workers and, like, asks everyone's name and, like, seems genuinely nice and caring. And now she's, like, telling Hunt, Isaiah, and Naomi, who are micah's leftover triari that she wants them to all work together and like she expects them to speak their minds and trust each other and like call me celestina <laughs> you know like and she's saying like please and thank you and they're all like what that's not yeah. normal like they thought micah was pretty good but he would have never said yeah. please um and then she also tells like hunt she was like i understand that you live with bryce not in the barracks and he's like yeah and she's like that's fine you can keep doing that 
and offers the same to Isaiah and Naomi. Like, oh, if you guys want to, like, live in your own places, do it. And she also tells Isaiah that she will continue Micah's work to make him free. Because apparently Micah was working on that. Allegedly. And allegedly. So she's like, I'll keep doing that. I'll work on getting the Asteri to agree to to free you. Should be nice. And then she drops the bombshell about the rest of the Triari showing up. So apparently the other guy... The other angel that has been appointed to Sandriel's position, Ephraim, had his own triar, tri, triar, had his own triari, um, and brought them with him to his new post. Sandriel's leftover triari were then had nowhere to go, and I guess because. Hunt, Naomi, and Isaiah were, like, three leftovers. Like, they weren't complete, mm-hmm. right? That's not the complete amount of Triari you're supposed to have, yeah. I guess. So what they're doing is they're combining Sandriel's leftovers and bringing them here to be with a, a team with Hunt and Isaiah and Naomi. So, essentially, it was the two leftovers are... The hammer and the hellhound. Um, and the hammer's name is, uh, like, the hammer helped torture Hunt when he belonged to Sandriel. So, like, they do not have a good relationship. And Hunt is, like, freaking out that they're showing up and they're going to have to live in the city. Because he thinks they're, like, the scum of the earth and that they are, like, sick, sadistic yeah. bastards. So the hellhound's real name is Baxian. And he's and the hammer's real name is Pollux. Um, so like they walk in and Pollux just says like "hello" like or whatever, and Hunt like tackles him to the ground. He can't contain himself. He just like sees red and he's like ah. Uh, so we switch to Ethan for a minute. He's having a crisis, so he went into the bathroom and shifted as a <laughs> werewolf, and he felt like hollow and empty because his connection to his pack has been severed so he shifts back and he's like i can't shift again for a while because he can't handle that like loss of connection Mm. and he's feeling like listless because he knows like if he was still a member of the pack he would be helping to welcome um celestina and like he would have a job to do but now he doesn't And he doesn't have any friends apart from Bryce. And he felt like a drift in a way that he hadn't felt since Connor's death. But he decides to take it one day at a time. And that's literally all we get. It's like, cool. why did we need to know this? I don't yeah. care. Anyway, back to Hunt and Bryce. Hunt is in a cell in the, it's called the Comidium. Oh, there you go. You found it. Good job. Yeah. Uh, Pollux is also in a cell, and Hunt, like, Bryce has come to, like, get Hunt out on bail, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Hunt wants her to go home, and she's trying to ask, like, why would you get into a fight with him on your first, on, like, Celestia's first day? Like, you're supposed to be making a good impression. (laughs) Uh, Baxian is just there observing, and just, like, watching, and, like, he doesn't seem that bad. 
Like, he was a spy master. He was never actually involved in torturing or anything like that. Yeah. Um, Pollux, like, in the next cell, taunts her a little bit about being a half-breed whore. And she's just like, and he also says, like, you should just shut up and, like, you know, if You're you just need a woman. me to sh- Yeah, he was like, if you need me to shut you up, I know something I can Ugh. put in your mouth to shut you up. Yeah, very, like, what you would expect. Yeah. And it's sort of like, dude, you can't come up with anything new. And that's exactly Bryce's, mm. like, reaction to it. Like, really, um, she just, like, flashes her starborn power at him, like, sort of to, like, blind him temporarily. Good. And tells him to be careful because she uses teeth. <laughs> Blind him forever. Ah, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, Baxine then tells her that he's glad she killed Micah, just out of the blue. And like, I had to include it in the notes because, like, is this important? Right. I, I like. I think it's sh- like he's not as bad. We're getting a bit of information. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. As bad. Cool. Um, <laughs> Celestina is like watching all of this on camera and like let's hunt go but not pollux which i don't understand because pollux is like why aren't you letting me go and hunt she attacked was like, him it's not like yeah he... he was like i didn't start it and she was like but you didn't do anything to finish it either or like you didn't do anything to like like you participated in it yeah She's and it's like so like... you're letting the aggressor go yeah but i also feel like she witnessed what he his, said like, about behavior yeah. and is punishing him for it, which is I'm okay with. Yeah. But I'm also like, she's clearly trying to get in good with Bryson Hunt. Yeah. Which is interesting. And we don't know why yet. Yeah. Um, she also tells Bryce, she was like, I'll let him go, but keep him in line. Keep Hunt in line. And it's like, right. Cause it's totally the woman's job. Exactly. To keep a man I fucking hate it. Doing that behavior. Like, Ugh, I, hate I it so fucking much. hate it. I'm like, that yeah. is not her job. He's a grown adult. Like, fucking hate it. Yeah. Uh, so skip. Now we're back to Therian. He is in his office doing research. Um, he's using one of Declan's programs that he paid him for to help, like, hack into Sophie's email. Uh, we get a little bit about his situation like about mer people in general um so because he is a mer person he has to get in the water like and not just any water like river water every 24 hours give or take or else he's going to lose his fins which is interesting yeah um but he prefers being in human form like he lives in a dry apartment under the river um he like spends most of his time with legs um but like he he says that like his parents don't understand that he would rather be in a warm bed as opposed to a seaweed hammock he likes tv and the internet and he likes food that's not soggy (laughs) so i really like like you know how we always have these like when we think about mer people and like mermaids we're like what do they eat? Like, where do they sleep? Mm-hmm. And I like that this sort of is like in this world anyway. It's answering questions that like, yeah, yeah, they sleep. In a, they don't sleep in a bed. Yeah. They eat soggy food all the time. <laughs> like, it makes it not as pleasant as you would hope it would be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
sin. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so he hacks into Sophie's email and he finds something in her sent folder from like three years ago. Uh, it was a reply to an email from BansheeFan56 with the subject line Dusk's Truth. Just asking if Sophie had gotten inside yet because they want to know the full story. And then there was another email chain with the same person talking about Project Thur. Uh, and Banshee Finn was telling Sophie about a rendezvous spot for when she finds him. And Therian thinks that this is about Sophie finding her brother and escaping behind and having like a safe place to go. Mm-hmm. So he types the Banshee Fan email address into the hacking program he has to figure out who it belongs to and it pings back as Danica. Interesting. Yeah. I will say this is like the first of the like Danica things that comes up in this book. I don't like them. It annoys me. I hate how like the first book (sighs) I don't know. I just like she has died. I don't need her personality and her character to come out and be different than what we thought it was yeah and and like i guess bryce's relationship with danica was such an essential part of who bryce was like that was her like her ride or die you know if Mm -hmm. her everything was danica so like her finding out that danica kept so much from her is obviously really hurtful. Yeah. And, like, I don't see the good that it can... I don't see the point of it at this 100% point. agree. Um, anyway, so he... So Therian receives um, intel that a small boat was abandoned in the Nelfian marshes with an adolescent-sized life vest in it with a boat engraving written on the back. Um, and Bodegraven was one of those boats that we read about in the pre- the prologue. Yes. Um, and so he goes to investigate it, and he says the boat smelled of a young human male, um, which we're assuming, and, and Therian also assumes that it's Sophie's brother, Emil, and he's still not sure if Sophie has survived or not. Um, and so he, he, he's curious about the location of the boat because it's in what's called Sobek territory and Sobek are like giant river monsters that eat people. (laughs) Unfortunately. Um, yeah. And like, he's sort of worried that because Emil abandoned the boat in Sobek territory, maybe he was eaten. Fair. Um, so he tests the boat and it still has power. Like it still has first light like gas so like he knows that he didn't abandon it because he had to it was a choice to get Mm -hmm. off here um he smells blood and he follows it but it's to like an arm uh the scent is newer than emile's and an adult so he knows that it's not emile and the arm has a sleeve on it with the insignia of the ophion and it's also got like an extra little bit so that he knows that it's from the elite lightfall squadron which is led by Pippa Spetsos. So again, we're we're bringing it back to the prologue a little bit. We're getting a lot of information here, like yes. 
he's no longer with the Ophion people. Right. They're 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 trying to find him though. Yeah. And and Therian is also like doesn't think they're chasing him out of the goodness of their hearts. Yeah. Because he's like this Lightfall squadron are like elite, like they're super good and he doesn't think that they would spare them from the front lines for anything less mm-hmm. than like something really really important. Yeah. And like we saw in the first book and not in the first book, Jesus. We saw in the prologue and Sophie kind of said that he's more powerful than she is. So we know why they're going after him. Like he's super yeah. powerful. Yeah. Um so he calls one of his officers to come out and start tracking Emil sent from the boat like to come out and like sniff him out to try and follow and see where he goes um and he's like I'm gonna figure some shit out mm-hmm. so then we go back to Bryson Hunt and they're eating ice cream in the park and it's sexually charged because they're watching each other lick their cones and they're both like they're uh, both of them are like looking at their mouth as they like swirl the ice cream <sighs> and like <laughs> yeah they're just both horny as fuck. All the time. Just have sex. All the time. Yeah. Um, and Hunt tells Bryce about, like, I guess Bryce is complaining that her um, motorbike is, like, making a weird sound. And mm-hmm. Hunt's like, well, I'll fix it for you. Uh, and he says he has an affinity for fixing machines. And Sandriel used to make him sabotage what are called mech suits. So mech suits were, like, these 15-feet suits with, like, seven-foot swords on them that humans used to wear. And it was the only thing that could protect them from veneer powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he used to sabotage them and then send them back to the front lines for humans to, like, find and be like, oh, a mech suit, I'll use it. And then they would sabotage it so, like, they would die in the mech suit. And he feels guilty that humans died because of what he did. Um, they talk a little bit about what they're going to do with Pollux and Baxian. Um, like, they sort of worry that they were sent as a test from the Asteri. But, like, Bryce is like, we just have to believe that, like, they're here for unrelated reasons. And we just have to believe that, like, we're just lucking out. Like, that the Asteri... Like, we're going to lay low and the Asteria are just going to leave us alone. Yeah. Like, they haven't contacted us. Nothing has happened. We just have to hope that we're just, we've been through all this shit and, you know. We're just, just going to fly just, under the radar. Yeah. Um. So they're sitting across from the bone quarter and they see a reaper come across. So they're like, shit, let's get out of here. Because Hunt's like, that's the one thing I can't protect Bryce from because Reapers are already dead, therefore cannot be killed. And, like, everybody steers clear of when a Reaper comes into town. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm, are Reapers, like, I can't remember. Are they, do they have the same job as, like, actual oh, yeah. Grim Reapers? Like, if they're coming into town, does that mean they're going to kill someone? Like, reap someone? I don't, I don't know. Because, like... You would think they wouldn't need. I I don't know. Like the soul does. The soul goes across in the boat. So what would the reaper just be going over to? Like why are they visible? I don't know. I don't know. Anything. I don't know either. Yeah. Um. 
Anyway, all of a sudden, Therian, like, finds them and, like, pulls up, like, on his, like, wave runner and is like, hey, I need to talk to you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So they're like, okay, well, let's go back to my apartment because, again, like, it's a secure place. Mm -hmm. Um, And Bryce texts Rune immediately to be like, you need to get over here because she's like, whatever Therian has to say, it's important, so Rune is going to have to hear it. Um, Just interesting. Yeah. Therian tries to, like, cover up. He's trying to ask about, like, Danica and Sophie. He's trying to ask Bryce, like, if he ever, like, heard Danica mention Sophie or anything like that. But he's trying to cover it up first and be like, oh, it's just a cold, an old, like, I'm just trying to update files or something. Yeah. And um, they're like, don't lie. <laughs> uh and, like, so eventually, and, like, Ethan is also here. So it's Bryce Hunt, Ethan, and Therian. Uh, and eventually he, like, tells her about, tells everybody about Sophie. That her and her brother pass as humans, but they have full Thunderbird, Thunderbird powers. I'm like, why are, why are we giving, why, why? Why is everyone so trusting? Yeah. It's, I just, it blows my mind. Now, they do say that the reason, like, he's telling them because they're all like, we're not telling you a single fucking thing about Danica until you tell us what's going on. Yeah. Um, and Hunt sort of mentions, like, he thought Thunderbirds had been hunted to extinction by the Asteri because they were thought to be too volatile to be allowed to live. Mm-hmm. Um, but Therian's like, well, I guess one survived and bred because they're two. Yeah, um, but it's interesting because, like, it makes you wonder what the Thunderbirds could do to the Asteri. I guess it's related to being able to take First Light and use it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Yeah. So, Therian then talks about how Emil, the brother, was captured three years ago and sent to the Kavala death camp. And Sophie went into the camp to rescue him, but obviously got caught by the hind. Um, He also then says that the River Queen really wants Sophie dead or alive, but equally wants to find Emil. And Therian tells Bryson Hunt about the emails he discovered between Sophie and Danica. And Bryce is sort of like adamant about getting involved to help, even though Therian is like, stay out of it. Don't, but like, why else would you bring it to her if you didn't want her to get involved? Yeah, and like, obviously, she's gonna want to because it's her best friend. But like, this is why I'm like, he could have just been like, well, never mind, I'll look into this some other way. Like him telling them, obviously, she's gonna want to get involved. This is like everything to her. So it just, I was just surprised that people are just like, I'll tell you everything. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rune shows up then and sort of gets filled in and Therian says like he really wants to find Emil and like uh, Bryce is sort of like what are your motives? Why does the River Queen want him so badly? And he's like listen the Asteri want him like people are out trying to find him like at least if I get to him first He'll be safe underwater. Like, even the Asteri will have a hard time getting him Mm -hmm. underwater. But Bryce is sort of like, so the River Queen can just use him, like, then. Which is, like, valid. Yeah. Um, And 
Therian sort of gets into a little bit more detail about the emails then and asks, and Bryce is like, well, I'll ask Fury if she knows anything about like Danica and Sophie. And Therian's like, all good. I'll come back tomorrow and you can tell me what you've learned. Hunt like doesn't think it's a good idea at all to get involved in this because the Asiri ordered them to lie low. So like getting involved in like, because this is straight up dealing with like rebel stuff. Mm-hmm. So because Sophie and Emil are technically human rebels and the Asteri have ordered like the Hind to find them and probably kill them, then them getting involved in this search is like directly defying the Asteri. Yeah. And like Hunt's like, they would straight up just kill us. Like we've already sort of like been on their radar we've sort of already done enough like we've Mm -hmm. killed two archangels we can't get involved yeah and rune is sort of like i agree you guys need to not get involved (laughs) but like bryce wants to find emil because in her mind he's not a rebel he's just a 13 year old kid and he's scared and he's running and his sister's probably dead and like she just wants to help him yeah She's just a good person. Yeah. But, like, Hunt is freaking out. Because the last time he was involved with the rebels, he became a slave. Yeah. (laughs) So he's like, "Mm, no thank you. Fair. Yeah. So they all have pizza, and Rune and Bryce can do this thing where they talk in each other's heads. So they have, like, this silent conversation in front of everyone. And, like, they can tell, like, (laughs) Hunt and Ethan are, like, staring at them, having this conversation in their heads. And they're like, uh, hello. Um... But it's about Ethan, so obviously they don't want to say it out loud. Um, And about how because Bryce is a princess, harboring Ethan and keeping him can be seen as, like, as, like, going against Sabine. And, like, apparently the Fae and the Wolves are allies. So, like, her harboring an ex-wolf could be seen as, like, you know what I mean? Like, breaking their alliance sort of stuff. Yeah. Which I I don't understand how this makes sense his suggestion now well because then he's rune then you right makes a suggestion that ethan should come and stay with him at his place and bryce is like well how's that any better and rune says that he can play it off as he's hiring him for something to do with the aux Mm. the auxiliary which they're all a part of anyway anyway um then declan and flynn show up and i don't know why (laughs) And we get, like, a nice, a conversation about Rune and, well, and Declan and Flynn, it's all three of them. It was their ordeal when they got the star sword thing. Um, So apparently, like, it was in Avalon and Cormac and his twin cousins tried to kill them. And, like, they were on these caves looking for the star sword. And, like, there was this mist and they all got separated and there were all these monsters and Rune managed to get the sword. Like, great. Happy for you. But, like, why did we need to know that right now? Yeah, we kind of already, like, got a bit of it when they were at the party and they were like, was he part of your ordeal? Is he a cousin that was part of your ordeal? He's like, yeah, Yeah. he tried to kill us. Like, cool. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so that night, Hunt and Bryce share bed. (laughs) uh, And Bryce struggles because Hunt is lying next to her and he's hot. But nothing happens. Um, the next morning, her mom calls her and, like, chews her out about, like, not telling her about the betrothal. 
And Bryce, like, essentially just tells her, like, back off. I can handle this. And, like, her mom shoves it in her face again. Like, oh, of course, princess. So, uh, like, and, like, it's just, yeah, it's just not, I just don't understand. I don't get it. Like, I don't know why she is being such a bitch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, like, she hangs up on her mom because her mom is just being a straight up asshole. Yeah. Uh, she has to go, she goes to a meeting, she's, like, getting ready to leave, she's going to meet with Fury for breakfast. So her and Hunt leave, and Hunt tells her to talk to him, because I guess this morning on the phone, um, her mom mentions that, like, Corbeck showed up at her, at Bryce's work. Hmm. Bryce had neglected to tell Hunt that Cormac showed up at her work. So Hunt was like, if Cormac comes up to you again... I want you to tell me. And she's like, genuinely, it was an, it was a mis- like an accident. I genuinely just forgot with everything that was going on. You like, attacked just, somebody at work and were in a holding cell. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, with, she was like, with everything that went on, I literally just forgot. Like, yeah. it wasn't a big deal. He just came in. He wanted to check out where I worked and then he left like nothing. Mm-hmm. I could handle him anyway. So like, He's a little angry that she didn't tell him about it, but she's like, it literally was an honest mistake. So he's like, okay. Yeah. So Bryce goes and meets Fury and Juniper for breakfast. Um, Bryce is, like, really jealous of Juniper for her dance career, but, like, Juniper has, like, the perfect dance body and has never been told, like, that you don't have the body to dance, whereas Mm -hmm. Bryce was. Um, But Juniper is not doing great. So she thought that she would be promoted to principal by now. Um, It was sort of in the works when the events of book one were happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But she hasn't been. And the dance, I take it like the dance company is racist. Yeah, that's kind of what is implied. Right. And Juniper also mentions that like maybe it had something to do with like the fact that she held the doors open to the shelter that she was in last spring. Like she kept it open so that the less fortunate, like humans and, and other people could get inside. Mm -hmm. So they're thinking that there's like some politics at play here. Yeah. Um, but the girl who did get the principal role is not like a great dancer. Like Juniper is better than her. Yeah. Um, so she's like, I'm just going to stick it out for another little bit. And she goes to leave. So uh, after she leaves, Bryce and Fury talk about Danica. Fury says she doesn't know anything about Danica having contact with rebels or any of those secret projects like Project Thur or Dusk's Truth or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does know that Danica wouldn't have sent Emil to the Bone Quarter because in the email what the little clue like she doesn't come right out and say hide here Mm -hmm. she says like makes it into a little riddle and everyone sort of thinks that the riddle is pointing them to the bone quarter Mm -hmm. but uh fury is like it 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 was it was too obvious like that's too obvious and too dangerous to send a child to that spot so like i don't think that's where it is uh, and Fury, what, what, what? I just said makes sense. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fury says that the only other secret she knows about Danica is that she's a bloodhound. 
or she was a bloodhound. Sorry, because she's no longer alive. Yes. So apparently she can scent bloodlines and the secrets in them. So like she can smell in people's blood like who their father is, who their mother is, what powers they have. And apparently it's dangerous to be a bloodhound because people would pay a lot to use that gift and other people would pay a lot to not have that gift in existence. Well, yeah. So it's why, like, she had to keep it really, like, on the down low. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Fury tells Bryce, like, why are you getting involved in this? Like, knowing all of this stuff, figuring out Danica's deal with the rebels and all of that, like... It's not going to bring her back. So, like, why do you, why are you getting involved? Why do you care? Mm -hmm. And she just says that, like, she felt like she knew Danica. And now that she's dead, she's finding out that she was, like, ten steps ahead of her the whole time. Mm -hmm. And Fury's like, yeah, but you are getting involved in some dangerous shit just to figure out the truth. And Bryce is like, you're right, and and Hunt sort of agrees with you, but she says she needs to know. And Fury is like, "What are you gonna do when you when you figure it out? Like, what are you gonna do when you find the truth?" Yeah. And her response is just, "Hope that I can accept it." And it just like, I'm not gonna lie, it seems like a weak reason to get involved. Yes, I agree. I don't. But. I don't. I don't love it. Like they're like. She's going to get involved because she cares about kids. And then it's like, <laughs> she needs to know what Danica didn't tell her. And it's all just a way to get everything to happen, obviously. Yeah. But I, I just don't buy it enough. Yes. Agreed. And also, like, I don't know. Like, you can find out things about Danica without getting into the shit she ends up getting into. Like... If that is truly her goal, to figure that stuff out, she doesn't need to go after a child. Yeah, it just that seems everybody's like... everybody's looking for. Everybody in the entire yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. It just It just seems like all of this is very a very convoluted way to get everybody working together towards a common goal. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe in the next next week it'll be a little bit more concrete. Maybe we'll like get some more info that'll help us sort of be like, yeah, okay, I buy it a little better. Yeah, I don't I don't really remember, but hopefully. Yeah. So that's it for this week. If you want to get in touch with us and share your thoughts on anything you heard in our episodes, or if you have any book suggestions, please reach out to us by email at coffeeandcoread um, at gmail.com or on Instagram or Facebook at Coffee and Co-Read and coffee.coread on TikTok. Um, um, so next week we're going to be reading chapters 14 to 27 uh, of House of Sky and Breath. So make sure to follow along. And if you're enjoying our chats, don't forget to follow, rate, and review wherever you get our content. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you on the next page. <laughs>